So we are in a new series um, called A Fresh Start, New Year, New Attitude. And for that, uh, we just, uh, there's several reasons why we decided to do this. Number one, there's just this natural thing that happens as we move from a calendar year changing. I, I don't know if you do resolutions. I've done them before. I've, I've not done them before. Um, I've sort of stopped because I never do them. And so I just save the, the difficulty of feeling bad about myself and admit right off the bat I'm inadequate for that. Uh, but no matter whether you do that or not, there's this natural tendency as the calendar changes to sort of evaluate and look forward. Uh, to get things right and, and to try to take a positive, positive step forward. Um, I, we, we decorated like the first of December in our house and, uh, decorated everything, put all the stuff out. Grandkids were coming and everything. So we've had that out for a month or, or so. And just yesterday we decided to put it away. Right. And and as much as I love Christmas and all the decorations, there was just something refreshing uh, to have all of that gone again and to have an empty floor space and the windowsills aren't filled with all the Christmas glee and everything that just it's clean and new. Right. And I think uh, if, if, if there's a th- something we're wanting to do through this series, it's uh, to, to do that, to sort of sweep out some of the clutter of, of what happens in, in our life. Uh, that, that's a physical metaphor, but I, I think spiritually we get cluttered at times. Right. We, there's there's so much that we sort of uh, it, and it doesn't just happen in a year. Sometimes it's a lifetime. We we gather all these thoughts and feelings and and traditions and things. And before you know it, we're not really we're not really following Christianity. We're just we're doing some comfortable stuff that makes us feel good. And we need to, I think every once in a while, we need to sort of do inventory on our, on our spiritual life and on our spiritual, uh, wellness. And, and sometimes knock down some of the cobwebs and, and be willing to, to try something new. That, that prayer book we're doing is, is one of those. I know for some people, oh, a book. I don't want to read a book. I hate books. It's all right. You're going to live. It's not very long. You can, you'll survive. And, and it, the book isn't the important part. There's something powerful about God's people joining together with a common thought and a common purpose. Right? If, if, if you would join us in that, what might happen? What might happen if, if 400 of us, 500 of us, 600 of us. What might happen in this church, in your family, in this community, in this area? What might happen if for 28 days we prayed together for what God wants to do? I know we all have the desire to do that. And here's the deal. If you do it with us and you miss a day, you're not kicked out of the club. Right? Just catch up when you can. Right? But we... We need, we need that new start in our life every once in a while. We, we need that, that fresh spirit to blow in the halls of our hearts and, and mind. It, it gets so cluttered. Uh, if you do any study on American Christianity, you're going to be hard pressed to find anything that doesn't have depressing news 
about the state of the American church. Over and over again, all you read about is the decline in the American church. And I I can hold court on my opinions on that. That's a different sermon. Um, I'm not going into that. But I think in that we we have this there's sort of this malaise that settles over the church where we we start to think that the darkness is winning that that the kingdom of heaven is not progressing the way it's supposed to and 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 that that maybe that maybe the church is going to fail and and i, I just want to i, I want to start the year by reminding us that god's not finished with what he's doing, that he's alive and active. I think part of the problem with why the American church is declining is because we are unwilling to lean into new paradigms, right? For many of you, you're part of that loyalist generation. You, If the doors are open, you're going to show up. If I tell you to buy a book, you'll buy four, right? You're, you're, you're just those people. You pledge card every year. You do that. You show. But for a lot of our emerging generations, that's not necessarily how they approach church. They come at it from... Well, I want to experience God and how are we taking God outside the walls and everything. And in, in all of that, I think all of us need to be reminded that our walk with Christ is not a religious uh, behavior modification plan. It's an intimate relationship with a powerful God who's given himself completely to us and invites us to become the full version of ourself through a relationship with him. We talk about this being a 28-day prayer experience. In that, I, I, I'm going to start with a question. How would you gauge your spiritual health right now? How, how is your soul doing? Do you feel alive and active? Do you, do you sense the presence of God? We're going <clears> to... <throat> We're going to do this series from now until second week of February. This year, uh, Lent starts on Valentine's Day of all days. Uh, so we're going to, we're going to take this series until we get to the week before Lent. And then we'll, we'll start a Lenten series as we move to, to Easter. But in this, we're going to use Philippians chapter two, verses one through 11 is sort of the, the model of what our entire series is built on. This, this passage that I'm going to share with you in just a moment. And this morning, uh, I'm hoping what we do sort of serves to set the table for where we're heading. And so um, Philippians chapter 2, beginning in verse 1. This is uh, a letter written by Paul to the church in Philippi. It's a church Paul had fond feelings of. Uh, It's one of the more positive Pauline letters. Uh, It's often known as the book of joy because joy is mentioned over and over. And Paul can be pretty harsh. And so in some of his letters, he starts out like, I, your servant Paul, am writing you and remember the glory of God. And then verse 3, you stupid idiots, why are you doing what are you doing? Right, that's not the way Philippians is. There's there's a warmness to to Philippians, but even with this church that 
was on the right track and doing good things and had Paul's heart, even with them, he wanted to remind them, first generation church, he wanted to remind them and make sure they were centered on what their purpose was. And so this passage, I think, if, if, if there's a line to draw or sort of a foundation to stand on of what being a Christian means, I think this is a good, good place for us to start. Chapter 2, begin verse 1. Is there any encouragement from belonging to Christ? Any comfort from His love? Any fellowship together in the Spirit? Are your hearts tender and compassionate? Then make me truly happy by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other, loving one another, and working together with one mind and purpose. Leave it there for a minute, Ben. So Paul starts off with sort of the same question I ask you. So how is it with your soul? How How is your relationship with Christ? You notice he doesn't say, how many times have you been in worship? Because uh, for the church at this time, worship wasn't something you went to. Worship was where you lived and what you did every day. He didn't ask how much money they'd given. He didn't ask how many verses they'd read from the Old Testament. He says, how is your relationship with God? How is your relationship with God? Is there any encouragement from belonging to Christ? In other words, what, 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 how, how active is your spiritual life? Can, can you sense the power of God in your life? Do you have an experience, a knowledge and experience of God's power in your life? I think God is constantly alive and active in us. He never lets up. There, it's So many times when I talk to people about their faith, I'm talking to a 50-year-old and I ask them about their experience with God and they tell me a story of when they were eight. And if if your last experience with Jesus happened when you were eight years old and now you're 60, you need to renew your membership. Right? Frankly, I would say if if it's been more than a week when you have felt the presence of God, you're missing out on what he has for you. That intimacy he invites us into, it's it's this is the the jewel of Christianity that we 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 skip over. We love the part that he's going to take us to heaven. Our sins are forgiven. But we miss the greatest part of all, that the God of all creation wants a personal relationship with us. To make us the best version of ourselves. Is there any encouragement from belonging to Christ? Any comfort in his love? A part of, it's, it's not just the, the experience of God and the, the, the interacting with Him, but it's that idea that He's with us through everything. And I know a lot of folks in this congregation that have had to walk through some dark times recently. And, and this is that reminder that, that God is with us in the good times and the bad. Have you felt any comfort from His love? Those times when you feel down and lonely, when you feel uh, overwhelmed, have you felt the, the comfort that God has for you? Any fellowship together in the Spirit? Not only fellowship with God, where there is this uh, give and take relationship uh, through the Holy Spirit, but also the fellowship that the Spirit has for us as the body. 
Christianity isn't meant to be a solo act. It's meant to be done as a group project. Right? And, and the fellowship of the Spirit is going to lead me into relationships where you're feeding into me and I'm feeding into you. Do you have that kind of relationship in your life? Do you have people that speak hope and truth into you? Is there a, a people that you know are going to show up and pray for you? Is, is, is there encouragement and, and relationship through the Spirit? And we're not going to take a test and you don't need to raise your hand, but I I don't know your story. I know my story, and I know the human story. I don't care how long you've been a Christian. There's probably somewhere in your relationship that could use a boost. I don't think we ever get to the point where we go, okay, graduated, done, got it down, right? We all need We all need to renew our membership over and over. We all need to... to Lean in a little more. He says, if, if you have that, he's sort of gathering the crowd. So if you, if you have an experience of God, if that's your desire, if that's what you're heading for, if that's who you are, you're part of the, you're part of the family. He says, then make my, make me truly happy by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other, loving one another and working together with one mind and one purpose. For those of you that have been part of church for a while, I just want a a general reminder that it's not necessary in churches to fight. It's not a rule. We don't have to do that. In fact, that's not who we are to be at all. It doesn't mean there's never going to be disagreements. But he says, if, if, if you're on, if you're in, if you're part of this family, if you have the desire to, to love God, if you've given yourself to Christ, then lean in with me. Let's do this together. Wholeheartedly. Give yourself to it. Remember the, the great commandment, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Lean in. Give everything. Part of the weakness of American Christianity is we've suffered for consumerism rather than discipleship. Consumerism allows you to draw a line whenever you're uncomfortable or it doesn't fit you. Discipleship leans in no matter what. Right? If if that's who you are, then let's wholeheartedly get on the same page. With each other, loving one another and working together with one mind and one purpose. I get so frustrated at times that the, the Christian world um, likes to cannibalize one another. Right? That an author or a movie or something that goes against your uh, something that you think is important and we just eat one another alive. And we do that with different churches and stuff as well. In the little town of, of Kerrville, there's like 9,000 churches meeting this morning. And there's all sorts of different things happening. And we could focus on all the things that are different in those, but for the Christian churches that are meeting, we have something so vital, impo- vitally important that is, should be where our, our, our whole focus lies in that Jesus Christ is Lord of all. And if you agree with me on that, then a lot of the other stuff doesn't really matter. Those other churches are not our competition or our enemy. 
They may be if, to get in line for where you like to go to eat. But there are brothers and sisters. We wholeheartedly love one another and we wholeheartedly have one mind and one purpose. That Jesus is Lord. That He is the center of who we are. That that's, that's the most important part of this thing called Christianity is Jesus Christ. Verse 3. Don't be selfish. Well, we could spend the next half an hour right there. Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble, thinking of others as better than yourselves. Don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. Pause. Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. That's pride. The opposite of pride is humbleness. Don't don't have pride. Instead, be humble. Think more highly of others than you think of yourself. Tough, tough message for, for American society. Because we all think we're the center of the universe. Social media backs that up. Like, I care what you had for dinner yesterday. Right? And we all have a touch of it, right? You don't even have to be on social media. At Christmas, we practice a form of this. We send out perfect Christmas cards with perfect pictures of our family that tell the story of our perfect family. And as I look at those, I think to myself, your family's screwed up as mine is. Quit lying. <laughs> but we want to put out to everybody this perfect picture, Right? Teenagers and, and, and our young people struggle with this. The, the level of depression and self-worth is, has gone way down because they judge everything is, is put online and we judge ourselves in, in conjunction with what other people are putting out. And they haven't realized yet that everyone online's lying. That they're not happy either. And so we're constantly chasing after something. Don't be selfish. Don't, don't think so much about ourselves. Be humble. When a, when a body is working the best, personal, personal likes and dislikes are not the number one thing we talk about. The goal, going back with the same purpose in mind, is how do we lead people to Jesus? Not how do we sing songs that I like, at a time that I like, with a group that I like, in a church that I like, with a pastor I like, sitting next to people I like. It's bigger than that. It got quiet. Verse 5, you must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Here it is. He's led into it. Here's the statement. If you want to be a follower of Christ, if you want to be a Christian, if you want this, Jesus is our model. Jesus is who we pattern ourselves after. Not where we're comfortable, not when we're comfortable. We look to Jesus as this is what it looks like 
to be obedient to God. And then what follows here, verses 6 through 11, many people would say was either a hymn or an early creed in the, in the early church to talk about who Jesus is and what he did. But here it is. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Verse 6, though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. Therefore, God elevated him to the place of highest honor and gave him the name above all other names, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven on earth and under the earth, and every tongue declare that Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So the the lead-in, as you look at that lead-in, and all the things that Paul is asking us to do, do you see how that's made real in the description of who Jesus is? Pride was not a part of who Jesus was. Humility was. The whole idea that God sent his son... To, to give up his divinity, he, he remained God, and I, I don't need the emails. I know he was 100% God and 100% man. But he gave up that authority to, to, to go to become human. And as we just remembered, he didn't do that in a way where he showed up as king. He came as a, as a helpless baby into the world. And he did that as, as a way to establish a relationship and, and win for us a pathway by which ho- uh, sinful people can have a relationship with a holy God. He gave himself completely to us. He healed and taught and, and ate with sinner. He did all the things that we, we read about in the Gospels. And his reward for that was a criminal's death. Death on a cross. In, in, in theology, there is a, a term called kenosis. It means emptying yourself. And this passage is about the kenosis of Jesus. He emptied himself so that we could be filled by what he did for us. He that was full became empty so that we who are empty can become Oh, we're going we're gonna to reflect that as we celebrate Holy Communion. Th- those of us that are filled with sin receive the grace of God through uh, He who was without sin became sin for us so that we who are sinful can be whole through what He did for us. Jesus' whole ministry, His whole life was not about Him. It was about us. He didn't cling to his, 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 his importance. He humbled himself. He's co-equal with the, the Godhead. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, they're all co-equal. But he humbled himself in obedience to the Father so that he could accomplish the mission that he was sent to. Over and over again, pouring himself out for us. A people that he knew had always rejected him and would continue to reject him. 
It wasn't for his own benefit. It was for our benefit. That's the model, folks. We need to have the same mind as Christ. Where we move from what do I want, what do I need, what, what do, how do I want to serve, to I'm yours, God. How can you use me? What, what, what would you have me do next? To move from, well, that's what, that's where I like to sit, or that's what I like to do, or that's what I like best, to what's the best way for us to get people that aren't here to know and understand God? Emptying yourself. And that's what we're, over these next weeks, we're going to go through characteristics that build on what we just read today, the mind of Christ. What does it mean to have the mind of Christ, the heart of Christ, the eyes of Christ, to love people the way God did? How does that look in everyday life? How do we empty ourselves? This is, this is vulnerable and dangerous, frankly. Because in order to empty yourself, you have to empty, you you can't hold on to some of the stuff we love to hold on to. Some of that tradition or past experience or the sacred cows that we have. In order to do this fully, you have to be vulnerable enough to set it all at the foot of the cross. We're, We're asking you for... For the upcoming weeks, would you be willing to empty yourself of your agenda? Would you be willing to empty yourself of, of your apathy? Would you be willing to empty yourself of your self-righteousness that says, well, I already have everything I need? Would you be willing to empty yourself to see what God might do to fill us with new strength and new spirit and new New direction. I just going through thoughts, I filter sometimes. Again, I go back to what I said about the prayer book. What what might look different in this congregation, in our ministry, in this church, in this community, if we emptied all, ourselves of all but love and gave ourselves to Him, if we wholeheartedly, wholeheartedly tried to love one another and operate with one mind and one purpose, that Jesus Christ is Lord, See, Jesus did that in that second half of that liturgy. We, we, we understand that God is a loving Father and does amazing things. And Jesus emptied himself and suffered a criminal's death for that and was, was killed and put in a tomb. But because of his obedience, because of his sacrifice, because of his love, God then elevated him above every other name, that at the name of Jesus every every knee shall bow and tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And for those of us who follow his lead, that's part of our journey as well. 
We can't do it on our own, but when you give yourself to God, then he elevates you. We become sons and daughters of the living God. We become heirs to his kingdom. We become partners in ministry. Are you willing to empty yourself? Or are you good the way you are? And if you are, that's, that's, that may be where you are. But for those of us who want something more, for those of us that, that, that still want the, the, just the crispness of a fresh relationship, it starts with this, an emptying. Monica is going to come and help me with communion. And as we do that, as I said, this is a representation of the kenosis of Christ, of his emptying himself, of giving himself completely. On the night in which he gave himself up for us, the Lord Jesus uh, took bread and he gave thanks, broke the bread, passed around the table and said, take and eat. This is my body, which is broken for you. Whenever you eat of it, remember me. And he took the cup, gave thanks, passed around the table and said, drink from this, all of you. This is the new covenant in my blood shed for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Whenever you drink of it, remember me. And so it's in remembrance of these as mighty acts through Jesus Christ that we offer ourselves in praise and thanksgiving as a holy and living sacrifice in union with Christ's offering for us. Would you bow with me? Let's pray together. Holy Spirit, come. Flood over us, O God. Help us to empty ourselves of all but your love. I want to die to myself so I can be raised in your likeness. Guys, we come to the table. We're going to empty ourselves of our sin. We're going to leave it at the foot of your cross. We're going to empty ourselves of our attitudes. We're going to we're going to leave it at the foot of the cross. We're going to empty ourselves of our, our doubt and our fear. And God, we just want to be simply fed by your hand. May this bread be for us your body and this, this juice be for us your blood so that we can be, we can be your body and blood for the world around us. Make us one with Christ, one with each other and one in ministry to all the world. And God, we look forward to that time when you will claim us as your own where you will make everything right where we where we will be able to gather at the the holy banquet table and give you the honor and glory that you deserve in the meantime give us your heart give us your mind and we pray that in the powerful name of Jesus Christ the one who taught us to pray by saying our father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.